Welcome to the Friday Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined uh, by Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. I uh, got a full show for you today. We're going to take some questions as well. A couple news and notes. Aaron Hampton, first of all, originally scheduled to make his announcement at uh, five o'clock today, has now moved that to seven forty-five. Texas and Alabama, the two finalists. Jerry Hampton's going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, the Big Twelve media came out not only with its preseason all-conference team, but also uh, the uh, team rankings. We're going to talk about a little bit about that uh, and take your questions as well here on Friday's Longhorn live stream. Uh, Jerry, let's start with you real quick. Update on uh, Aaron Hampton, because I know uh, there's there's some news surrounding that, as well as Malik Blockton. Yeah, I think uh, early this morning, um, Got a couple phone calls, and it seems like Aaron Hampton's definitely a Texas lean over Alabama. Um, even our Bama Online guys uh, put in RPMs um, for Texas this morning. That recruitment obviously uh, will go until uh, letters of intent are signed. This, uh, if he commits to Texas at seven forty-five, now that's changed from five to seven forty-five this evening. Because why wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like um, he would be one of the rare prospects to decommit from a school and commit back to the same school. That does not happen very much in our industry at all over the years. So uh, that would be a rarity. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it. I, I think he's best at wide receiver long term. I kind of see a loose limb, Jordan Winnington, as I've said before. Um, but, uh, you know, I get that he could end up on either side of the ball because he does have playmaking and ball skills. And um, he, he, the guy's around the football. I'll say that he will be around the football. Um, so that's where that's at. Malik Blockton. The one thing I want to say on Blockton, he decides tomorrow at around 3 PM, Texas won't do anything to um, mess up the recruitment of TJ Lindsay. And that doesn't mean I think Texas is going to get TJ Lindsay. I do think they're in the top two or three. I think he's headed to the SEC unless Miami overcomes that. Um, and I think Texas is in a pretty good spot for him. Uh, but I don't think Texas will do anything to mess with that recruitment um, in regards to Malik Block. And I think Melvin Hills is announcing July 12th. That still looks good for Texas. DeAndre Robinson's announcing July 21st. That still looks good for Texas, very good for Texas. Then you have Jaden Jackson and TJ Lindsay, who would like to decide before they report to IMG July 20th or shortly thereafter. They both like to decide before because they're with their families at home before they go to Bradenton. We'll see where they're at on those timelines here, uh, you know, about a week from now. All right, uh, Ian, uh, your initial thoughts uh, on the uh, Big 12 uh, rankings uh, and uh, and or uh, the Big 12 all-conference team? It was pretty notable how favored Texas is. I think the Big 12 media is pretty notoriously cold on Texas, unexcited to give Texas credit um, or to uh, – you know, tie themselves to Texas with their preseason predictions because Texas has been so bad about living up to the expectations over the last 13 years. Um, but yet, media member after media member couldn't help but put Texas number one. I think that they had like 41 first place votes, and the other only other teams only had like four. So I think there's the there's a definite anticipation around the league that Longhorns' firepower on offense is just going to be too much for the rest of the league to handle. 
I, I felt like, uh, and just give me this this piece a little back and forth here, Ian. I felt like Kansas, it was kind of weird to me. Kansas has four players on the first team, yet those same media members think they're going to finish ninth in the conference. I mean, those two things don't necessarily compute, right? I guess I guess the Angels, the California's baseball team, the Angels has Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and they can't win 50% of their games, so maybe there's precedence here. but. Uh, legitimately, that's just not usually the case in college football. I think that the the team rankings is usually a better indicator of what people think is going to happen than the player rankings. The player deal, especially now that there are 14 teams rather than 10, it's basically a who's who of who do we remember from last year. I don't think that's pretty much it. Uh, Kansas had, I mean, I tried to put more effort into it than that, and I still fell prey to that, I'm sure. Kansas had a lot of guys that were well-known from the very Devin Neal, one of the leading returning rushers, because most of the leading rushers are gone. Jalen Daniels, everybody knows him. He's the reason that anybody talks about Kansas now. And um, Kobe Bryant, I'm not totally sure how Kobe Bryant was on the All Big 12 list, maybe just because of the name. Um, (laughs) There were two Kobe's potentially, right, on that list. Hey, um, Ian and uh, speaking with Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start taking folks' questions now. Please get those in. Uh, Jimmy Trevino, thank you uh, for that super chat. We appreciate it. Uh, guys, we're going to take questions not only from this, but also from the Inside Texas message boards. Uh, we'll get going, and I think it'll just be a normal old Friday afternoon uh, chat. Right hey, now. hey, Ian, think about this before we come back to it. Bobby and I on a video this morning, we both thought Baylor was the most overrated team on those rankings. I want to hear your thoughts on that, too, the next time that comes around, just so you know. the, the Which one was overrated? The Baylor, Baylor was the most overrated yeah. team at six. I, I, I didn't see it, but we'll, we'll talk about it whenever that comes up. Okay. All right. Uh, Daniel Kinneman uh, has this question. Is Bo Davis, Texas D-line coach, just vol- volume recruiting and hoping hoping one hits eventually? Or is there a war daddy he's bringing in? 2022 and 23 feel like volume. I got news for you. I don't think they see Dominic McKinley, TJ Lindsay, Colin Simmons as volume. Your, your thoughts, uh, Jerry? Yeah, no, I, I, Texas definitely doesn't see it that way. I mean, Alex, J- these are SEC recruitments. I mean, bottom line, it's um, – you know, you at any position, you better have twice the number of guys uh, as possibilities that you're going to take. I mean, that's just a reality. I mean, nobody's going to sit there. This isn't this isn't to shard choice recruiting running backs here. That's a different position. You can, if you're going to go battle in the SEC region, the Southeast region for defensive linemen, you can't recruit five guys and hope to get four. I mean, it's just not going to work that way. Um, George and Bama don't do that. Everybody has two shots on goal for every one they want to get, and they're hoping they get the top four. But if not, and they get two of the top four and then four of the top six or five of the top eight, then they're happy because they've evaluated those guys. Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, Alex, January is a Texas LSU battle. I mean, um, you you know, you look at – Melvin Hills is a Texas Ole Miss, maybe LSU battle. They're still LSU still creeping around there. Um, Jaden Jackson's a national battle. Um, DeAndre Robinson's an SEC battle with Ohio State in the mix. So these are not easy recruitments to win. Um, Texas is not Georgia right now recruiting on the defensive line or Clemson in past years recruiting on the defensive line. Uh, so 
but they're in some real battles and you got to get two for every, you got to recruit two for every one you're going to sign. All right. Jerry Hamilton of inside Texas. Thank you for that. I uh, want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, by the way, uh, that is Andy Ludicky of myperfectfranchise.net. If you're looking to own your own business, uh, look no further than Andy Ludicky and myperfectfranchise.net. Andy takes you through a process and guides you to choose the proper franchise that meets your financial goals and time allotment. Uh, so if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, give Andy a shout. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9900. Andy, we appreciate you being a longtime sponsor uh, of the uh, Friday live stream. And you just re-up for another three months. So we really appreciate it. Jerry, this is a good one for you. From E. Kim, over under two and a half commits from Louisiana <laughs> in twenty two. That's pretty good because if Melvin Hills falls, Wardell Mack, uh, Dominic McKinley. You're I'm going of, under. You're going under? Yeah. Something, will, something will trip one of those up. Is yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think two's the max of the group this year. I don't think Texas is going three for three. Got it. Now, could right. 2024 pop up as senior? You know, we'll see. All right. Uh, Ian, Joel McWaters preaches sometimes, would a trip to the playoff this year cause unreasonable expectations going into the SEC next year? Uh-huh. I mean, fans are always unreasonable, but – Probably. I mean, depends on uh, I, if they go to the playoffs, then they're going to get a big NFL exodus from the team. Um, so they might be a little better off if they come up a little bit short and then return more key players. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I guess the easy answer is yes. <laughs> gotcha. I, I, I feel like my, my thing, my thing on this, guys, is, um, you know, Here's the other one. What teams do the Horns need to dominate other than Bama to show they will be an upper echelon team in the in the SEC in their first season? This one also from Joel McWaters. You know, I they they did that a couple times. They they dominated Baylor late without the Quinn Ewers fumble. That's a three score game maybe. Um, but what do y'all think on that? I mean. Who do they have to dominate to show they're they're ready for the SEC? Kansas State, maybe Texas since Bama, since Bama dominated Kansas State in a bowl game, maybe. Um, I I don't think dominate any opponent. I think win the Big Twelve. Ian, you have any thoughts on that? For for who do they need to show it to? You know. Like for for SEC fans to give Texas credit, that's not going to happen until they win the SEC. For SEC commentators, same story. For national commentators, win the Big 12. For recruits, now they're already doing pretty well. Um, Probably winning the Big 12 would go a long ways and winning the SEC would go further. So I don't know exactly, you know, depends on what the parameters are. Got it. All right. Uh, thanks there, Joel, for those uh, two questions right in a row. Wanted to get to both of them. Uh, this one, uh, Jerry, from Joseph Downing. When it comes to DL in the cornerback recruiting rooms, is it first come, first serve, or does the staff have certain players they want to wait on? I think it's a little bit of both, and there's like maybe a couple different groups, right, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely think there's a there's a element of first come, first serve. But there's certain, like I just talked about with Malik Blockton, um, 
Texas doesn't want to mess up the TJ Lindsay recruitment at all. With Alex January jumping in, that's one in the boat. And if you're looking at four uh, before the season, um, then, you know, Melvin Hills is leaning your way. Um, then you got DeAndre Robinson's leaning your way. Then you're really down to it if you think you're going to get those guys. And you're down to it with Blockton, Jaden Jackson, TJ Lindsay. And I do think uh, TJ Lindsay is higher on the board than Malik Blockton, Jaden Jackson the same. Uh, so can you pull one of those two? Um, if, if Malik Blockton commits to uh, Auburn tomorrow, as I, I kind of expect him to do, then that's what, really what it comes down to. Defensive back, I think it's the same thing. I mean, I I think two or three of those guys at corners higher than the others. Um, and yet they, Texas doesn't want to do anything to mess up one of those uh, top two recruitment. So timing is very much in play here at those positions as we get into mid-July next week. Got it. Uh, you mentioned, and we reported yesterday that uh, Corian Gibson announces on July 22nd. Correct. Uh, we do not have a time frame for Wardell Mack, Selman Bridges, or Kobe Black at this point. Yeah, I so think Ar- I think Arkansas is doing pretty well, uh, Selman Bridges, but we'll see if that lasts. Right. Exactly. He's got a. He's. Let's see if he makes a decision before his senior year. Somebody asked about Michael Fasusi. I'll take that before you read the question because I don't think that's what we need to bring up. Uh, Michael Fasusi, offensive tackle out of Louisville. I think Texas is in a really good spot uh, for Fasusi over Oklahoma and some others right now headed into the season. Got it. All right. This one from King Me. Uh, let's all talk about this one. What? Which position coach is the best developer on the staff? I'm going to go. It's going to be. Outside of Sark, okay, because I think that his quarterback position tutelage is kind of unmatched with its length, right? I'm going to go with Jeff Choate at this point. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, got he, he's got overshown now in the draft. He had a guy from Montana State drafted. Uh, he's done well at Florida as well. Uh, I would go – I've seen more improvement from the linebackers in – two years than I think I maybe have seen at any other position. I couldn't necessarily, I'm not so sure that Kyle Flood isn't in there, Jerry and and Ian at the same time, he's doing more with a lot of talent uh, comparatively. I think Jerry, you have a thought, Ian, either one. Joe was my first thought. Um, I think you can make a case for Jeff Banks. That's who I was going with for twofold. Yeah, exactly. The, the tight ends have gotten better. Uh, he really whipped Sanders into shape in a single year, taught him how to block, which he'd never done. Um, and then also special teams. Obviously, yeah. he's kind of coaching the whole team yeah. on special teams and teaching them, you know, fundamentals of football. So that would be the – those would be the other ones. Maybe Pete Kwiatkowski. Uh, he's not quite shown it yet. He has a chance to show it this year, I think. Um, I also wonder if he's how hands-on he is with the ends right now, or if he's more big picture. I, I think so. I think this is an easier question to answer next after this year. Um, see what Tashar Joyce and Chris Jackson actually do over time, right? Um, but I, I had three. I was going Choke. I was going Jeff Banks. I was going Bo Davis. Is the three I had. And Bo Davis's track record's pretty good um, as well. <laughs> a, a, a developing defensive lineman. I mean, guys coached in the NFL. Um, he's coached different schemes, different styles. I mean, that's he's recruited to different schemes and styles. But I almost would put Jeff Banks as my number one, 
because tight end and special teams. I think the tight ends have greatly improved at Texas, and I think the special teams is uh, for a guy that that's not his full time job. Look, Nick Saban did not want to lose him to Texas, and a big part of the reason was he was a great special teams coach. Gotcha. All right, uh, Jimmy Trevino has another one for us, guys. Uh, Bama is unsure who their QB1 is. Actually, they have three QB1s right now, which means they have none. No, have none. <laughs> they have uh, two first-year coordinators, and Texas returns 15 starters. Convince me why we don't go to Tus- Tuscaloosa and win. I'll take the first crack at it. Alabama hadn't lost at home since 2015. Oh, y'all go. <laughs> At home at night since 2015 is what I meant. So y'all go next. (laughs) (laughs) Run game. Um, If Texas is unable to really get its own run game going and stop the QB run, because I think Alabama is going to put numbers uh, towards the box and uh, in on on its own run game and and try to just, I think they're going to try to wear Texas down early in the season. Uh, so that that would be the recipe for a Alabama win. The opposite of that to me is getting the ball out of Quinn Ewers' hands early uh, in that game and getting some first downs and making the Alabama defense stay on the field a little bit. Ian? Yeah, I I think that their offense may take a big step back in some regards, but it may be well calibrated to attack the spots in Texas's defense that might be questionable. Like they're they're liable to have a lot of option stuff with any of those quarterbacks that they choose. Probably probably be a, a Milrow or Buckner. I would bet on Buckner. But either way, they're going to run a lot of RPOs and quarterback option. They're going to have a big offensive line. They're going to have big tight ends, good running backs doing it. They have a like a four three guy at wide receiver now too that they got from the JUCOs. So I don't know if they're going to be particularly skilled in the passing game, for instance. But they might be very very dangerous for a team that is weak up front in any place or uh, not sure about where they're supposed to be a linebacker, for instance. Like if Texas has holes replacing Overshone, then this that could be a problem. And then um, I kind of think that, to your point, I think, remember when Vince Young had to go into Ohio State and prove that he could beat a team throwing the ball? Because Ohio State had, like a, I want to say, Dante Whitner. And then the A.J. Hawk, uh, uh, what was it, Carpenter. They had 10 NFL players on defense. And, yeah, and some of them were like freak linebackers, like unbelievable 240 pounds, 4540 guys. And uh, Texas chewed them up because when Vince Young threw the ball because they couldn't handle that. But they sure could handle the run game. Um, I think it's going to be kind of like that where, and you know, in the horseshoe at night and all that. This is going to be get Quinn's big show us you got it. If, if Quinn can go out there and throw the ball around, I don't think Alabama can cover Texas's receivers, honestly. But I don't so know. Nobody, if- hey, Ian, nobody was more excited in college football fandom than when Quinn Ewers went out and had that first quarter against Alabama last year. I mean, Texas fans were on tilt for good reason because he looked like a million bucks, right? Yeah. Um, if he has that same time type of game against Bama this year and does it for four quarters, all bets are off about where Texas goes this season. I don't think it's going to happen. They'll try to do something different to him. Uh, but do you agree with that? Yes. 
I, I was going to say, we've been talking about Alabama running the ball on the show for a month now. I actually think the biggest key to the game is going to be Texas offensive line. Because Alabama's front seven is going to be pretty good. They, yes. The talent is not gone. They have a bunch of NFL guys. They may not have as many first-rounders because more of those guys are in Athens. But they have the most talent Texas will play on defense by far next season. If they can hit Quinn early in that game, get him thinking about last year a little bit, offensive Texas offensive line is going to be the key in that game for me. Jerry, we have two Hey, we have two questions coming in from the Inside Texas message boards. Uh, just a reminder, we all work for InsideTexas.com. If you don't have a subscription there, please give us a shout and uh, try us out. Uh, two quick questions, Jerry. Uh, when do you expect Colin Simmons to make a decision? <laughs> is there a timeline or you don't know? Fair question. Yeah. And then the second one, is Jordan Washington an early enrollee? And I can't remember from that discussion we had with him. Well, I asked Jordan Washington that yet two days ago after he committed, uh, whatever day that was, uh, the fourth. No, I actually asked him the fifth. And he said he's not sure yet. So that leads me to the path of no, but he's trying to be. So we'll go with no right now until he lets us know otherwise. He, he would like to be. Uh, Colin Simmons, I mean, I, I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, that's the best thing I can tell you. You got the magic I mean, eight ball next to you? Basically. Yeah, I mean, look. Uh, Let's know maybe. I would love for Colin to let me know so I could just smile on the show for the next <laughs> few days or a few weeks. But he's not going to let us know um, that far ahead of time. But, I look, I don't think the recruitment's going to December. Uh, somebody asked on um, our weekend recruiting thread on Inside Texas, which you should guys should be on if you're not. Um, they asked, will he be in Texas the last weekend in July? And my point on that was the only way he's at Texas the last weekend in July is if he's committed to Texas. That would not fit what he's done in his recruitment. Um, he has gone and visited places. That I would think if he hasn't committed the last weekend in July – He's going to show up at AM or LSU or somewhere else. Um, that's what would fit his recruitment uh, pattern to this point. So if he's not committed anywhere, I don't think he'll be at Texas last weekend in July. Maybe he does both or something. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. His timeline, look, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee it's July. With Colin, he's so street smart. He's so recruiting smart. Um, I do feel comfortable with my RPM right now. Okay. All right, let's keep it going here. Um, Robert Muhammad uh, with a super chat. And Ian, we've talked about these stat, these uh, sack numbers. We're actually going to try to talk about it a little bit more over the weekend uh, when we kind of do a deep dive on the defense for Sunday. Uh, can the interior line, interior defensive line, get 10-plus sacks this season? Now, interior, I, I think he, I, I think we assume no edge. So not, not only not Ethan Burke, but also not Baron Sorrell, right? So you're talking about Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, Trill Carter, uh, Sadir Mitchell, and Aaron Bryant. Those ten, uh, those six combined, can they get to ten? Um, I, I would say that that's going to be a, a stretch unless you get Murphy and Collins both with like three and four, and then the the group as a whole get a, a team three, right? Yeah. So. Four, three, three, one, and you're at 11. Yeah. Um, I think that that's, I think that that's plausible, but I, it's pro I think it's probably a little more likely that um, those sacks go somewhere else. Like even if the interior line is good at rushing the passer and collapsing the pocket, 
and a lot of those end up going to Sorrell or Burke or whoever, or one of the linebackers running a play down. Uh, so I, I, I bet it's kind of close to that, but I, I wouldn't be, I guess the answer is yes, but I, I, I would say 10 would be a good Vegas over under for getting action. Maybe, maybe Vegas would be like eight and a half or something like that. Got it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the over at like 11 because I think rice and Wyoming um, and I think Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins are probably going to get and and sweat. They could and they could roll five in two games, and then you're only looking at less than a sack a game after that. I'm going to take. I'll take the over also. Um, I, I think that to, to Ian's point, I think it's going to be something like four three three one one or something like that. There's there's enough players there. Um, although I will say, Trill Carter at least at Minnesota, was not much of a pass rusher. Right. So let's keep that in mind, whereas I think Murphy has an opportunity to do that. We know that that's what Collins probably does best. And then Sweat, I, I want to say this about Tavondre Sweat, uh, Ian and, and Jerry. Last year, he got his hands on a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of balls, a lot of tip passes from Tavondre Sweat last year. Uh, so I thought that was a good one. Um, Jerry, this one's for you, recruiting from Logan Farmer. Uh Robert, by the way, thank you for the super chat. Uh, Logan Farmer, Jerry, you've mentioned that Oregon has slipped up in the recruitment of Brandon Baker. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think uh, it, it, they've had a lot of turnover on the offensive line um, as far as a coaching standpoint. Um, and and I think that it kind of ha- has had an, a little bit of an impact there uh, with Brandon. And Brandon might want to go out and do his own thing, carve his own path. Um you know, so I, I really think uh, Texas and Ohio State right now are poised to uh, knock off Oregon in that recruitment. But I think it's going to be one of the three, and that could be late July. It could be August. Uh, we'll see wh- when that is. Uh, but I, I just think some coaching turnover there on the offensive line. I think his brother's had three offensive line coaches. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe just wanting to do a little something different. Yep, makes sense. I, I think – you know, from what I've heard a little something as well, and I think that it chimes almost exactly with what Jerry's saying. Family may want to do something different. Is yeah. all. It's not a negative right. for Oregon. It's right. just maybe time to do something different. Uh, I, I will say this. I can't help but think that Oregon is in a little bit of purgatory right now from a conference perspective. For sure. Uh, and that is – while they've still done okay recruiting, they generally make a little bit more big splash this time of year uh, than they have this year. All right. Uh, another recruiting one, Jerry, Stephen Houston asks, is Texas still the leader for Kobe Black or is he looking at A&M a little more now? He's, I think he's always been looking at A&M. The, the, the whole key with this recruitment is very similar to Colin Simmons. Um, if he shows up on a campus, which would probably be A&M last weekend in July, then you'll know uh, that maybe things weren't as far along with Kobe Black as Texas ideally would like as far as him making a decision. That's what the, that's where this recruitment's at. Um, it were these guys, if they're still uncommitted by that last weekend in July and they show up on a campus, that will tell you a little bit or a lot about their recruitment and, you know, decision timeline and kind of where things are at. Because the thing, the one thing all these schools are trying to do is get these, give these kids time to come off the visit high, uh, get them not to fall into the Texas momentum in recruiting, right? and keep the process going. And that's multiple schools hitting these guys. 
Um, we'd like to get you on campus here this last weekend in July. And AM's hitting both of those kids on that. I mean, Collins had – he put out A&M was scheduled for last weekend in July. And it would not surprise me if Colin showed up at AM last weekend in July if he's uncommitted, if Kobe Black did too, because they've kind of gotten close. Interesting. All right. Uh, that doesn't mean I think they're going to AM fans. So just to be yeah. fair. Yeah, there's a difference. Freelance Society uh, with Super Chat. Who will be a tougher matchup to go after? Texas's weaknesses in the Big 12. OU or K-State? Ian, you want it? You want to start? My immediate thought is Kansas State. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think think it through a little more. I think Kansas State looks like a much better football team than Oklahoma for this coming year. But I, I haven't necessarily thought through the specific matchups. Um, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma's going to struggle to cover Texas. I don't really trust their plan for pass defense this season. So that's a big problem for them. And if you can't cover Texas or, or have any kind of plan for covering Texas, then you're kind of DOA, drawing dead. Their run game will is always tricky. They gave Texas a, some trouble last year with that Wildcat deal. Um, Jeff Levy has a lot of good designs, but I would say Kansas State is a more imposing team because the passing game is dangerous and the defense is better. So, yep, I'm going to go Kansas State. But what about the Texas weakness part? So here's one of the weaknesses, potentially. Potentially. Speed at safety. And... And I know, Ian, you, you have a big thing like speed doesn't always matter. But the one thing about the the Art Briles offense, which Jeff Levy runs, is that it absolutely stresses you vertically um, down the field from even the slot. And if Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan can't run with Brennan Thompson, for example, if they line up him in the slot, that could cause Texas some problems. Uh, overall, though, I would kind of agree with you, and it's the quarterback run game from Kansas State and the what I would call the evenness of their offense. When you can run the ball with your quarterback and have a pretty good passing game, it's hard to defend because you don't really know which poison you're going to have to pick. Here's the deal with Oklahoma, though. I mean, we'll see how Brandon Thompson looks uh, once he gets there and gets going in that scheme, but Last year's Oklahoma's receiving core was probably not as good as any of the Baylor ones that we remember. And that was with Marvin Mims, who's now gone, who was good. Like you watched him against Oklahoma State last year, and um, they burned him early on a bunch of like sucker plays, like fake wheel, a fake bubble screen turns into a wheel, nobody covers straight stoops kind of deal. And then they got totally shut down for the rest of the game when they ran out of those trick plays. They could not get separation against Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State had a beat-up secondary in that game. So I don't know that I don't know that Oklahoma's receivers are really that dangerous yet. Um, and I don't know if Gabriel is really that dangerous pushing the ball down the field consistently. So I, that that could be a, that could be a thing. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, thank you for that super chat, Freelance Society. I want to say, oh, sorry, I'm going to pause this real quick. I want to say thank you to our sponsor once again. Uh, that is uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to own your own business, run your own show, uh, look no further than Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He takes people and gives them a questionnaire, 
talks to them, consults with them, and then gives them three or four businesses that fit their needs and desires. Uh, so if you're looking to get into the and into the franchise game, uh, make sure you give Andy a shout at 404-973-9901 or emailing at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. We appreciate his continued support. Uh, I want to say this next uh, from Longhorn. Hayden Connor is no longer cross-training at center with Cole Hudson and uh, uh, Connor Robertson back from surgery. This is correct. Uh, Eric and his state of the program and then on Inside Texas mentioned it earlier this week. Cole Hudson now cross-training at center. Jerry, this is something I know you had talked about uh, almost from day one with Cole Hudson. Yeah, I think that's kind of been the plan all along. And the question, and I think Hudson being out this spring set back that plan back. Um, but I think also it's uh, – I, I, look, I, I'll say it again. I, I think D.J. Campbell has a great shot to start at right guard. I'll be surprised if he's not the starting right guard based on what I've heard now. They still have to go into competition and get stuff done. Uh, but that makes sense to me. I think Neto uh, will really push Connor on, at left guard. Um, but I think that may play out on the field more so. Uh, Texas is going to play a rotation on the offensive line this year. One, they have good players, future NFL guys that will be drafted that are not starting uh, as of right now on paper. Uh, so they're going to play they're going to play a rotation this year. Um, and, I, and I think you, you see a guy like Cam Williams be a swing tackle because Texas does think he can play left tackle. And, and I think that's going to be interesting down the line is Kelvin Banks has two more years at Texas. Cam Williams starts maybe a year at right tackle. Uh, then he moves over to left as his senior year. I think that l looks like the plan right now. Obviously, that's what you're recruiting Brandon Baker to as well. All right, guys, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about something here. John Campbell, thanks for the Super Chat. Are y'all going to be in Tuscaloosa? I just got my tickets and can't wait. If Texas can control the line of scrimmage on defense, I think we walk out with a win. Uh, yeah, because a Alabama will try to be battering Rams, uh, no doubt. Uh, that's Ian's shaking his head, and that's he, he and I have kind of come to that conclusion. Uh, the reason I want to talk about it, yes, I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa. I think me and about seven or eight of my college best college friends are going down for that game uh, and over for that game. Uh, so we will be there again this year. We will be doing our uh, post-game live show. So immediately following the game, Rod Babers and myself uh, will be uh, doing a post-game show uh, out at wherever the venue is. We could be talking from our offices, could be in Austin. We're, we're all trying to work that out. The one thing I want to mention that we want to announce today is that every Friday of a Texas home game, uh, I, I will be doing the live stream from the co-op in Austin. So the co-op has a, a party planned, all this other stuff from three to fives on Friday. So once the season begins, the live streams will be from three to four central on Fridays. Uh, we'll be at the co-op. It'll be a fun thing. I think they give out prizes, all kinds of stuff. We've been talking to them about it and very excited about that. Uh, thank you, John, for that uh, that uh, uh, super chat and gives us a chance or gave me a chance to talk about what we're going to try to do this year. Hey, Bobby, what are the odds you can do the live stream from the Houndstooth Sports Bar in Tuscaloosa after the game? <laughs> I want to do it from Dreamland Barbecue. <laughs> I think it may be from the Hampton Inn, though. I'll, I'll be honest, uh, and it won't be from the. It won't. I already checked with the uh, SID at Alabama. It won't be from the press box. They don't have uh, that kind of setup. That's not radio oriented. So 
Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, guys, one of the long-term uh, listeners and uh, viewers of this channel and guy we know pretty good comes away with this question. David Williams, who is the most underrated, undervalued player in the Big 12? I think it's Jade Barron. Of the five preseason all Big 12 t- DBs, none had more tackles than Barron. None of them were Longhorns. And only one was close to him in tackles. None had more tackles for loss or TDs. Ian, most underrated, undervalued player in the Big 12? Yeah, I, I wrote this up on Thursday when I posted my own ballot and uh, and some reactions to this one. I don't have any idea how that happened. I, I think he might be the best defensive player at Texas. I think he's definitely one of the best defensive backs in the country, maybe certainly in the Big 12. The thing about stats, I you know who else, though? Bud Clark for TCU didn't make it. Yeah, didn't make. He had five interceptions last year, including housing a pick on JJ McCarthy in the playoffs. Right. And he didn't have a ton of tackles, but it was because they had him playing like off-man coverage every down, so that they could put nine in the box and shut down Bijan Robinson or or Deuce Vaughn or whoever. So I, I defensive back play. It's like a close second to quarterback for like the most poorly understood positions in college football. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, Jerry, this one's going to be tough. Uh, Graham Cochran has a question for you, mostly. I'm going to look up a couple teams, though, because I I don't know all of them off the top of my head. Favorite commit for each of the other major Texas schools so far? Curious who may be future impact guys at the other schools? Okay, that's interesting. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, let's start, oh, A&M has the highest ranked class. Let's start with them. Weston Davis, to me, offensive tackle from Beaumont United or Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker. I really like both of those guys, both uh, Golden Triangle guys. I love Golden Triangle guys. Uh, Weston Davis has a huge upside as a left tackle. And by the way, both guys, two, those are two guys Texas will recruit. Uh, I, I believe through the whistle. Um, I, I think uh, that it, it wouldn't shock me if Weston Davis didn't end up on campus uh, in Austin at some point this year, him or Ori Williams, because I do think Texas will have another tackle uh, spot to fill. Uh, looking at Texas Tech right now, um, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, Jacob Ponton, the offensive tackle at Dripping Springs, Texas had the kid in at camp. He's really athletic. He's young to the offensive tackle position, similar to Trevor Goosby on that path physically. Um, and then there's an edge out of Soxie uh, in, in um, 
Oh, Philly. Yeah, he, he's 6'4", 211. He's got some twitch to him, got good long arms. Those will be my two guys from Tech. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna take a look here at TCU. Now, you got anybody, Bobby, you like? Uh, at TCU, uh, there was one player that I, I thought Texas uh, should have went a little harder on, and that's Ja'Kyle Baker, um, yeah. the wide receiver out of Brownsboro. I know Texas ended up not going on him really hard. They, they offered him but didn't actually go hard. But I still like him as a player. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm one of those guys that thinks he could, he could be a guy long-term. I got one at Baylor and I've seen him and I love him is Kyland Reed, K-Y-L-A-N-D Reed, 6'2", 200, 205 pound linebacker at Mansfield Summit. They also have a D lineman over there in 2024 named Legend Journey, who's a really good player. But Kyland Reed has got some twitch to him. I think he's an undervalued kid. Uh, nationally and under-recruited guy. Kylan Reed from Mansfield Summit, big fan. All right, good stuff, Jared. Uh, thank you, Graham, for that question and the Super Chat as well. Um, one of, uh, Huff Tex, who's also on Inside Texas, thank you for this uh, as well. Hey, Jerry, there's a question on Inside Texas message board I want to get to, um, and it asks you to rank the defensive linemen uh, <laughs> for, on, on, the, uh, on the board for the University of Texas. Would it be any different, in your opinion, than what it is right now uh, for uh, uh, for on three as a whole? Like, it looks like Melvin Hills, they had rated higher than Malik Blockton. We know that much, right? Right. Okay, so beyond that, how do you plan out Jaden Jackson, Dominic McKinley, TJ Lindsay, that group? Yeah, I think uh... – In Alex January, he was committed already. Right. So I'll put it in a couple of categories over the ball. Alex January, Jaden Jackson, 1A, 1B. I mean, I think Jaden Jackson's a better football player now. I think Alex January has a higher ceiling because of his frame. Uh, but I'm a big Jaden Jackson fan now. Um, and then uh, defensive three tacks, th- that type of position. Uh, look, I, I Dominic McKinley has a huge upside. Um, I'm not sure I, as a, I totally like him the best. Uh, I think TJ Lindsay's got a bright future. I think he's got versatility. I think he's got a frame. Um, I think he's going to make a big jump, even though he's going to play more edge at IMG this year, defensive end and a four-man front. Um, I, I'm I'm very high on TJ Lindsay. And then DeAndre Robinson. I think all three of those guys are, are talented guys. I don't see a three-star prospect when I look at DeAndre Robinson or Jaden Jackson, obviously. Honestly, I think both those guys will end up four-star kids. All right, guys, this is a big one because we, we've been talking about it uh, from D-Will. Uh, great O-line content this week. Is it fair to say the ceiling of the O-line is higher with Hudson or DJ starting at center right guard versus the returning five. I know majors would start on most power five teams, but is he an NFL center? Here, here's my take. And Jerry upside slash ceiling is not the same as ready to go today. Right. And I just can't see replacing a three-year starter at center in his fourth year. I don't, I don't maybe I'm wrong. And maybe somebody is just that much better but that's a lot of experience to take off the field at a position that touches the ball every single snap. You know, it, it's just hard for me to think that. Ian, what, what are your thoughts, Jerry? You, I think that I think the athletic upside is is uh, I think it's fair to say that that is higher, right? You'll have bigger, more powerful people on the field. Um, but 
the other upside in offensive line that doesn't get as much attention but matters is the upside of how many assignments can you execute without a mistake. Um, when you can do that with your starting five and you don't miss assignments and you don't let three guys run through the line or blow up running plays, that's that gives you a different kind of ceiling that really matters, uh, even if you don't have as much power for moving guys off the line of scrimmage. So I'm, you know, I'm watching this with interest. I'm, I'm curious to see if Flood can can pull that off, and I'm curious uh, what kind of impact that would have on his schemes if he's able to get the big guy at center that can do what he wants to do. But I'm with you. I, I tend to think that it'll be majors for now until he graduates, which is, you know, after the season. Jerry? Um, I think what's interesting is if they if they make a move, you almost have to roll with it early. Uh, you know, I'm not sure you wait after, until after Bama to do something. Okay, well, Jake started this many games, and so he gets to – I'm not sure that's the way you do it. If there's a competition and somebody's better, uh, you get that thing rolling in game one. I think that's what's going to be interesting for me um, because if you go in and, and you happen to beat – Alabama, and what are the odds you're really going to make changes at that point? Zero. Why would you? <laughs> I mean, so I think the timing of something is very important here in these competitions. That Alabama also, there's a lot of big nose tackles on the schedule, which is presumably why you would want a bigger guy like Hudson over Majors. But Alabama's got one too, a Jaheim Otis. Yeah. Who's he's, trim, he's, trimmed down the, pounds, right? he's trimmed down the 360 from 400. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're going to know real early, you know, which whichever direction you go, if it's going to do the trick. Yeah, uh, there we go. Thanks, D. Will, for that super chat and the question. Helio Castillo, heard on sports radio today that coaches last year that faced Texas that thought that both OL and DL, excuse me, are both bigger and stronger than before and that that bodes well for the team going forward. I agree. I mean, look, it, the University of Texas for decades had some of the best defensive linemen and offensive linemen in the country. And in the last decade and a half, the offensive line has certainly fallen off, although they've had good players at spots, just hasn't had the depth. And the defensive line has kind of been hit or miss after the group that uh, uh, that Charlie Strong left. And so y- y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think offensive line was just such a evaluated so poorly for so long. I mean, I'm going to take some recruitments may understand and comment on this on the comments I'm talking about here. I've always just shook my head at a recruiting story I was told. Um, I walked into Elkins High School, and it's one of the Matthews, the best Matthews, was there doing the splits and warm ups of all things, and like Justin Blaylock used to do. And a coach there at the staff said, yeah, you know, Texas came in here and um, said, you know, no, Matthew's kids, he's a little stiff. He's not very flexible, is he? Uh, Little did they know at the time that the guy they told that to was one of Bruce Matthews' best friends, and Bruce happened to be the guy who videotaped the practices every single day. So that was going to get back to Bruce Matthews. And, oh, it didn't matter if Jake actually wanted to go to Texas. He wasn't going to Texas. So they're making better evaluations, and they're recruiting smarter now. Let's I'll let you all go from there. (laughs) I think – Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Adrian. I'm sorry. I think they've held up pretty well a defensive tackle. 
even in the even in their wilderness romp the last 13 years. Like I, I watched Nebraska last year, I was like, you know what? It's never been this bad on the D line for Texas, to where they have nobody that can they can put out there to to get in the way. Um, but offensive line, to Jerry's point, has been just just awful. They've had some some really weak recruiters. I think is really the only way to say it. Well, they try they the Texas and schools like Texas too often try to try to recruit because and think they can get away with it because of the name on their jersey. You, you agree with that, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yes. I want to say hi to Mr. Sorrell. He's on the chat today. Oh, there so. you go. <laughs> Love, him. There Love we go. him. Good, good to hear from you, Mr. Sorrell. We're, we're hoping for the same. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> um, what I was going to say here is that you know a lot of coaches aren't good recruiters at Texas because they try to just let the logo do the talking Correct. for them Correct. instead of actually building that one-on-one relationship. When other people that have logos the size of Texas, like an Ohio State or a Georgia or an Alabama, are willing to do that. Steve Sarkeesian witnessed that and knows that because he's been at two of those places himself, USC and Alabama. So he knows it's more than just the logo that does the recruiting. Uh, you know, that that's not always the case. Uh, some, uh, some assistant coaches, when they get a job as big as Texas, feel that way, and it, it's just not how it works if you're going to win. This is uh, Chris Nelson. Good question here. What are the chances Texas leads the Big 12 in penalties? <laughs> I'd say 50%. Legitimate penalties or called penalties? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> called penalties. I, I think it's. I think there is a 50% chance Texas leads the conference in penalties. I mean, I, I talked with Joe Cook about this. He needs – I'm going to the Big 12 uh, media days next week. By the way, we're going to do one of our shows from down there. Uh, but uh, my point, Jerry and Ian, here is 14 penalties to zero. That does not compute in any way, shape, or form uh, what should probably be the case. Yet that's what occurred last year. Uh, either of you guys think that what happened last year was a not an, just a happenstance or an anomaly – or do we think that maybe some people are just, I mean, I don't know, trigger happy when it comes to Texas? That was that one game, right? The Oklahoma State game? Yep. I don't know. They, they, got, were- they got, other than other than Alabama, which was heavily penalized for primarily false starts and offsides and, and motions, you know, uh, I think that was the only game where it was just a huge disparity. Yeah. I think, I mean, that one was pretty weird, right? But I, I don't know. Brett Yormark strikes me as being eager to just kind of get get Texas and Oklahoma in and out. I don't know if he really wants like a lot of headlines around, you know, Big Twelve refs jobbing Texas or something like that. I, I, he seems like he would rather just talk about adding UConn or something and, and building a basketball conference or something like that. So I'm not on you, Jerry. Do you do you agree? Yeah, I think um, I, I think the crazy thing is there's a target kind of on the officials back in a little a little bit. Um, I think the last year, the Big 12 for Texas and OU, it's going to be talked about. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on this subject. Uh, but the, the reason I would say no is, I mean, 
How much does Texas and OU pay to get out of the conference early? $50 million. There's 100 million reasons not to go that direction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just don't know. Uh, two holding calls in favor all season. I'm going to take, man, what do y'all, over under on holding calls in our favor? I'll take I, over. I'll take over. Well, I think there's going to be more than three holding calls, but if he means like Texas versus the other person's holding calls, I don't know. I don't think Texas is going to win that over and under. I think Texas is going to lose that. The Big 12 doesn't really I've call. Seen it too. I've seen Texas Tech and Oklahoma get away with holding since, I don't know, Moby Dick was a minnow. I mean, so the, the, that's going to continue to happen. And so I don't, I don't see Texas actually getting three more calls than its opponents on holding this year. The whole league, one of the one of the tricks of the Big Twelve that makes it what it is is that all the coaches learned from watching each other's players on film how to hold without getting called by the refs. Nobody calls holding. Like you watch the Big Twelve championship game, Texas isn't even in it. They're holding the crap out of each other, and <laughs> nothing, nothing getting called. So. Uh, Hey, well, I, 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 I would say this too. Isn't it a very big year for Big 12 officials to be really good at their job? Because the conference, there's a little uncertainty. Um, and the SEC and Big 10 are growing and are going to need to add officials to their league. Isn't there something to be said for being really good at your job this year? That's a good point. I hope so. Uh, I, I think the only thing that would leave a sour taste in your mouth is if something really negative like that happened on the way out the door, right? Yeah. Um, to 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 uh, Ian's point, Brett Yormark has it seems to be tried to downplay the departure and just let's go about our business, and that would be the one way where you wouldn't feel that way. Actually, uh, this is a super chat from Jr. Second year in a row, we went out of state for our lead back. What do you think uh, made choice prioritize Gibson? And Christian Clark over Taylor Tatum, Draylon Miller, those guys who are in the backyard. Thanks again for y'all's insight this offseason. Uh, I think he thinks they're better players. I think it's that simple. Uh, yeah, and and Taylor, and, and I think he thinks they're better players because he didn't offer Tatum until later in the season. And also Tatum's got the baseball part of it. I mean, I, I just look, Texas went through that with Deuce Robinson last year, and it's different. Um, but I, I think where Texas is at right now, um, I, I think you have to be an extremely special prospect for Texas to tolerate the two sports in their eyes. We've seen it with Deuce Robinson. He was in their eyes. Um, and we've seen it the opposite direction a little bit with Brandon Thompson. Got it. Uh, thank you, JR, for that, uh, that uh, super chat. Bobby don't Miles. Sorry. Don't like I haven't heard Vernon Broughton's name on here in months, years maybe was partially expecting expecting a transfer from him. Any word on his progression? Well, they clearly went out and got Trill Carter for a reason. The, 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 the thing with Vernon that has been a problem is even though he shows some pass rush speed and potential, he gets rooted out too easily to play either nose or three. And he just becomes – he almost – he's not only – he not only has a problem – maintaining his own area he actually gets run into other people at times because he plays too high um 
Ian's just shaking his head. I'm going to let you take it, Ian. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can watch that long run by Washington. And uh, I think there was debate over whose fault it was at linebacker. It wasn't anybody's fault. Broaden got like pushed like four or five yards off the ball into like David Benda's lap or some, something like that. I don't remember the exact specifics other than that he got moved. And uh, that was not really an isolated incident. They couldn't when, – when they played him, they could get into trouble. Like every third snap or something, he'd just get washed out. So uh, I don't know what, what, what's up with that, what he needs, if he is capable of fixing that or, or what needs to happen. But uh, that's just not going to fly in the scheme. And they have other guys now that they're going to – they don't need to put up with it really. Got it. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks, Ian, for that answer. Um, let's go to this one. Uh, talk a little Trey Owens here, Jerry. Jerry, Bobby, Jerry, how high do you think Trey Owens can rise during his senior year? The physical tools are pretty good. I think he can make a huge jump. I'll say this. I don't know about what he can do from a rankings perspective because so many of those guys get predestined in their summer when they're at the elite 11 camps and all these other combines and stuff. He would have to have a truly fantastic year. Uh, I agree with you. I think he has the physical tools, though. Jerry? Yeah, I think uh, he showing more mobility would be a big thing for people when they look at him as a senior. He, he's very much a pocket passer, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I believe Malik Murphy is, too. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But from a ranking standpoint, that's going to limit some guys, I, I believe. Um, so I look, I think he's going to have a good year, uh, really good. I think he'll build on last year, which is first year as a full-time start. He started three games as a sophomore. So he's just now in the 14 games of 15 games as a starting high school quarterback. So he'll make another big jump this year. I think he's got a really good player at running back back and they got a good coaching staff, good system, good scheme. Uh, so he'll make a big jump. But the key to remember with him is, um, Look, Sarkeesian only going to recruit guys that can make all the throws. Um, so Sark says he is, sees him as a guy who can make all the throws, and that's what matters at Texas. He's going to do it from the pocket, though. And, and if he shows more mobility, more plays on the move, um, he's not going to be a runner ever. But if he shows some more plays on the move, I think that would help him. Just more functional speed. Yeah. Right? That's really what you're talking about. All right, I got three questions. Also, from- he oh, also has his left tackle and two top receivers are back. Yeah, he's got some guys back. So I mean, he could, he maybe he could make a little bit of room just by exploding for like you know forty five hundred passing yards or something like that. We've seen that before. Um, if you all didn't see uh, Ian's profile of Trey Owens, by the way, last weekend, please please take a look. Hey Jerry, three quick questions from the InsideTexas.com message board. Sorry if I already posted. Is Hampton a wide receiver or DB at Texas? Quickly. Um, I think he's a wide out. It could go either way. All right. Who is this year's Ethan Burke, a senior eval player you have your eye on that we haven't heard much about yet, but could before the class is complete? We weren't even thinking about Ethan Burke this time, his going into his senior year. So it could still be a guy that's on that, that we just don't know. Yeah, let me think on that for a second because I would go with somebody like a Jacob Ponton who could make a huge senior year rise in a Texas, Texas A&M, some of those people's eyes, and get to be a recruit like that that is nationally recruited and as well as recruited by the top programs in the region. That would be my guy right now I'm looking at because he's a premium position player at left tackle, kind of like Burke was at on the edge. 
And why do you think, uh, why is Brand, why do you consider Brandon Baker a right tackle? What's the difference in, is there between playing right and left tackle? Can a right uh, tackle play left tackle? Yeah, they can. Kelvin Banks uh, was a left tackle and asked him to play right tackle in the Under Armour game. And the steps are different. The thought process is different. Um, and, and he would tell you that. Uh, Brandon Baker is a right tackle and he plays right tackle. And Christian Jones is uh, is graduating from Texas. So there's a lot at play at right tackle in this recruitment for Texas. Uh, but I think Texas sees him as a right tackle, a similar frame to Kelvin Banks, but just more of a, a right tackle prospect for for Texas and most teams. Is that just to get him on the field early, or do you think he could go to left tackle down the line when Banks graduates? I'm not going to say he couldn't down the line, but it's hard to say until he actually plays it and see, you know, what is what do things look like coming off his left eye versus his right eye, which is what he's been used to. Like Kelvin Banks at the Under Armour game would say he struggled with that. He struggled with the steps and the peripheral vision uh, because he was so used to playing left tackle and seeing guys come off the edge this way. So I, I think it's I think it's a great um I think it's a great question and I think it just is, depends from guy to guy. Got uh got time for a few more questions here. Uh please get those in before we get going. Jimmy Trevino another super chat. Thank you. Jerry Wingo, Ryan Wingo, the wide receiver out of St. Louis, Colin Simmons defensive end, uh Kobe Black out of Waco Conley corner. Uh uh Terry Bussey. Terry Bussey, I'm sorry, from Timpson. Yeah. Uh, needs. Uh, future is orange. What are your thoughts on those guys right now and Texas is recruiting of them? I think Texas is in a pretty good spot for the first three. And Bussey, I think, is uh, probably an AM lean right now. Uh, with all those guys, it just, to me, depends on how long these recruitments go. Does it go into the fall? Do you have to get these kids back on campus again during the fall season? Um, so I think right now Texas is in a good spot for three of those four. Um, and we'll see what happens because I, I, I obviously Texas perfect world, Wingo, Colin, and, and Kobe would all commit before their senior seasons to Texas. That would be the perfect world. Obviously, AM, LSU, and the people, we, Missouri for Wingo and Tennessee would like him to keep this thing going, uh, would like these guys to keep it going. Uh, but I think Texas is in a pretty good position for three to four right now. Gotcha. Want to say thank you one more time to our sponsors before we get to uh, for our from our sponsor before we get to uh, our uh, uh, final few questions. Uh, thank you to Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in owning your own business, give give Andy a call at 404-973-9901. If you want to own your own business, own a franchise, and don't know which way to start and don't know exactly which franchise you want to operate. Give Andy, uh, give Andy a call. He can walk you through the process. Uh, make sure you understand all the pitfalls and all the benefits. At the same time, uh, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. We appreciate his ongoing support uh, here of the of the uh, Longhorn live stream. All right, hey, we got to talk, I, 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 I want to make one comment, Bobby, real quick. Somebody asked what coach at the Under Armour game put Banks at right tackle. I, I should have mentioned that Kelvin Banks volunteered to go to right tackle because in these games, most of the guys are left tackles in high school. Kelvin Banks, it was actually a glimpse into his future, volunteered to be the guy to play right tackle, even though the first two or three days were a struggle for him. He made that call himself. going to go this one from Jacob Luna. Bobby, how do you see Chris Jackson as a recruiter down the road? I know he's a good coach. Jerry, I'd like your feedback on this as well. Early returns are good. 
Uh, yeah, I think he, uh, yeah, I think the early returns are good. I think he, you know, the big thing is, do you know how to talk to a, a kid that's 16, 17, 18 years old? Uh, and I think he's passed that test because guys coming to the NFL or guys that have trained guys for the NFL draft, they're accustomed to talking to 22 to 30 year old men. Um, so I think he's done, he's passed that first test because that's always the first thing is how do you communicate with the kids who are 16 to 18 years old, whether in recruiting or when they're early enrollees? Um, but I think the one thing that's come across is he's genuine with kids. As long as you're genuine with kids and you're at a school like Texas and you have a coaching resume, you're going to recruit well. Got it. All right. Uh, here's one. Ian, need your your uh, thoughts on this uh, from JR. What's the best position for Galette, Darian Galette, to see the field while at Texas and why? I'm thinking maybe OLB over edge. Once more, thanks again. You guys both saw him and have watched him. What are y'all's thoughts? I'm trying to remember his film. He did. Was he the guy that wanted to play Mike linebacker? Didn't he miss his senior year? Yeah, he yeah, did. He he senior tore, year. Yeah, he tore ACL and missed it playing basketball. I think, right, Jerry? Yes. Um. Yeah, I, I, I guess Ian, I put you in a bad spot there because I've, I've watched him probably more than you have. And oh, Jerry I did has watch well. him. I did watch. I'm just trying to remember my opinions. Maybe oh, Jerry, okay. maybe Jerry can go first. He looked like he shot out of a cannon. He doesn't know necessarily what he's doing quite yet at linebacker. That was yeah. my my thought process on that. And my thought process on him was, look, he's kind of a jack of all trades. He was kind of like a Quandre Diggs playing in a small school. He'd play quarterback. He'd play wide out. He'd rush off the edge. He'd play safety. He'd play linebacker. Um, but my biggest things with Gillette, the two things I thought he had to prove were, one, what Bobby said, can you instinctively play linebacker? Because I think it's an instinctive position. And, two, is he going to – is he going to – bring since he has never concentrated on a position specifically defense is he going to bring the physicality to go with the athleticism i think he's a pass rush guy early on but if he proves to be a physical guy that can make the reads at linebacker he becomes a hell of an athlete at that position you know who he's built like jerry at the same time frame was sergio kindle same kind of yeah i tend to think i mean explosive first step now yes yes explosive he looks like a prospective edge, but if Texas gets Colin Simmons and they have Vasek and all these other guys, it may be easier to find the field if you can learn linebacker. Either way, he's probably a longer-term developmental guy. Hey, somebody asked about the app for On3 Inside Texas. The app is now live. If you go to Inside Texas, we have a pinned thread about it. Yes, it's Apple and Android. I believe people are using Android. Yep. I'm not as sophisticated on that stuff. Okay. I want, I want some feedback here in the chat uh, and just talk about this. Would y'all be, this is from Chase Hodson. Would y'all be okay if Texas and A&M don't play every year like the schedule is set up now? I, I'm, I'm not like, okay with that. I want Texas and A&M to play every year, Bobby. And I think it matters in recruiting. I think it helps keep guys in state. You ha- I think this not having this rivalry has made it easier for teams to come pick off kids from in state. I think Alabama and Auburn going at it every year and talking about it all off season means something in recruiting. And I think Texas and Texas A&M in this state have missed it. And it's been to the positive for A&M because they're in the SEC. I think this game needs to be played every year for a multitude of reasons. And I'm a big recruiting guy. So that's a big one for me. Ian, you, you and I both, this is, this is a no brainer. Yes. Right. Everybody agree. Okay. I just want to make sure I, I'm I'm so passionate about that that uh, it doesn't I, I 
I don't want to derail the conversation for another 30 minutes. So I'll just, I'll go to the next question. Uh, Bird Baggett asks, who has more depth on the offensive and defensive lines, Texas or Alabama? Jerry, I, I'm going to ask you that because you know their personnel more from recruiting. I would have thought that that Alabama probably has more depth on the offensive line and has more top-end depth on the defensive line. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, I, th- I think Alabama is still ahead of Texas. I think Texas depth really builds on the offensive line after this year. And people say, well, they're going to lose some on the interior defensive line. Yeah, but they're going to recruit well. Um, I-, I think Alabama uh, is still a-, a little bit ahead of Texas, as they should be uh, when you combine those. It seemed like they're kind of seemed like they're a little iffy on the offensive line because they've had like three or four five stars now that didn't really pan out, and I think some of them have transferred out. Tommy Brackermeyer's in TCU. Uh, the other the other Amari Kite is in uh, UCF, and uh, I think they may have had another one as well that wasn't really panning out. So I don't know if they're stacked classes of quite led to the depth advantage in the offensive line over Texas that you would think. I think that's fair. Uh, last couple of questions here. Trevor Collins, if Coach Prime has immediate success, how do you see it affecting us, OU, and A&M in Texas <laughs> recruiting? I really don't. Um, one, I don't think he's going to have immediate success. Uh, <laughs> a Pac-12 assistant coach predicted 1-11, uh, 0-12 if they lose to Colorado State. Um, but – Let's say he wins three or four games. Let's see, say he shows signs. I don't think it affects OU in Texas. I think it does affect the rest of the Big 12. Whoever's left in the Big 12, I think it affects you. Baylor, TCU, even Texas Tech. I, I, If he has success in Colorado, it's going to hurt those guys in Texas a little bit. J&K, run away. Outside of OU, A&M, and Arkansas, who do y'all see as the next rivalry with Texas? Man, I, here are the four. All right, that LSU would be obvious. Yes. But for whatever reason, the SEC doesn't seem like it wants to make that happen. They would rather make Texas-Arkansas happen. Okay? But let's talk about this. The ones that, that I think would make sense, Tennessee – Alabama, Georgia, Florida. I was going to universities, all big name schools, all 100,000 people in the stadiums about. Those would be big rivalries. I go with Florida for what the reasons you said. Um, Florida plays in Austin year one. I, I, I think a Texas Florida thing, because look, if you remember too, in that run, um, Texas went to the final four. TJ won a national title with VY, right? And Texas was seen as the best program in, in baseball at the time, right? In college sports of the big three. Then Florida came along with Urban and Billy Donovan, went boom, boom, national title, national title, national title. And we're also really good in baseball. Uh, and that in the academic side, being the states, Texas and Florida, I, I think there could be something there. And I think the fan bases are somewhat similar. Far East and Far West to yeah. uh, opposite ends of the SEC and to in the two most populated, populated states in the yeah. conference as well. I, I know Texas would love for it to be Florida from a recruiting standpoint, by the way. <laughs> oh, that would make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Ian, you're yeah, your Texas grad. Your thoughts? And vice versa, right? Florida yeah. likes to come into Texas as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with what y'all said. I think, you know, maybe we'll see it vacillate 
over time based on the context of the programs. Like you can make a pretty good case for Tennessee as well. Um, Texas has kind of had a little bit of a historic rivalry with Alabama, probably have some, I think still some unfinished business kind of with the, with the Rose Bowl with Colt McCoy going down. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think those are all really exciting games. I think a real rivalry has to have some kind of uh, consistent, intense personal stakes. And that's just going to come with time. Like you could see how that could come up with who's the real UT. You could see that coming up with Alabama for battling over uh, titles. If Texas can get to that level and Alabama can sustain it. And you could see it with Florida for all the reasons you gave Bobby. So I, I think those are all awesome options, and maybe we'll just let history decide, right? Only one thing I would take uh, to 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 I would have a different take on there is there's an obvious answer about who the real UT is. So there's that's actually not a thing, right? So, anyways, I'm kidding. Uh, Ian, thanks, man. Uh, Jerry, thank you. Uh, yep. Thanks to everyone who uh, joined us today. Uh, once again, quite a crowd. We enjoyed it. Uh, Look, uh, Aaron Hampton is expected to announce now at 745 instead of five o'clock. So we thought that might move. And indeed, it, it did. Uh, Jerry believes that Malik Blockton at this time is probably leaning to Auburn. Yeah. Although he does announce tomorrow, we're going to monitor that. Melvin Hills announces on the 12th as well. Uh, we'll be following all of those things and more over the weekend. Uh, some, I want to also say thank you to the, for the Super Chats from Johnny Trevino, or Jimmy Trevino. Robert Muhammad, Freelance Society, John Campbell, Graham Cocker, and Huftex, Jar, and D. Will uh, as well. Uh, thank you all so much uh, for being with us on this Friday and spending some time. We hope you guys have a good weekend. Good luck to the Horns around 745 tonight when Aaron Hampton makes his decision. For Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton.